this is morning It's when I spend the most time Welcome back to Red Pen, a grammar podcast. Uh, when you last left us, I had asked Mike if he has to read the dictionary over and over again every year when it comes out, or if there's some kind of way that you know copy editors get updates. So, uh, Mike, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, you know, I do find myself revisiting certain things just to see if they've changed, and occasionally, like I swear, like grassroots being being an example, the, the adjective used, like a grassroots uh, political campaign, something like that. I swear that used to be hyphenated, and now it's one word. But you're right. There, there's never, or so far as I know, there's no kind of alert system to to let people know that it's changed. And um, can you can you explain to the audience how a word goes from Urban Dictionary to a real dictionary to a real like, dictionary. Like what, what are the requirements for a word to become properly used? Yeah. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I know at the, there, there's a point every year where, where a Webster's will announce a, a, like a host of new words that are entering the dictionary for that year. Well, dictionary.com says that it's a word used by a lot of people uh, it's used by those people in largely the same way. It's likely to stick around, and it's useful for a general audience. But those, a lot of those words of the year are things like truthiness. I remember that being a uh -huh. word of the year that Colbert. No one's ever used that ever again in the since. Last year. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like maybe they get a little caught up in the, you know, in the in the yeah. You would fervor, think they'd, if you will. They'd want to see what kind of staying power something has before yeah. they do that. I mean, the other have you ever, have you ever used good. truthiness ever once? No, 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 I don't think I have. I mean, even even back at the the time when it was sort of more popular with with uh, after Colbert coined it, I don't think I even used it back then. Uh, no, I think if you looked at like that the Google usage of that word, it was like the night that episode aired, three months after on Twitter, and then never again. And never again, right? Yeah. But you can see why you can sympathize there. Like, that was like, like the, pre that era, even. Yeah, and like I, I think the it, it's, Trump, like Trump is the truthiness era, right? Like in my mind, everything before, and it was before that. Before that. Yeah. yeah, but but like, I, you could sort of feel things sliding in that direction, I think, and it, so it seemed not only a fitting word, but almost a a bellwether word. Yeah, but we were coming off of like the Bush era, and we, th when, you know, when I think about the times that we made fun of 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 Bush Junior for you know, his misuse of words in retrospect, it's not really that, uh, uh, serious, like misunderestimated. That's not a word, but much more realistic. That could be a word, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the, the sense there is clear enough and, Absolutely. and you're right. It does seem, it does seem quaint. You know, every time Trump opens his mouth, there's four or five things wrong with the sentence. Right. So I mean, it's it, not even, they're not even sentences, right? Like, uh, right. So call it's a it, whole other, it's a whole, charitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. So it's just, it's funny to think that there was a time when we would misunderestimate it would be something we'd make fun of. And I remember this, I mean, I'm, I'm this, 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 he said this in 2000 apparently, mm -hmm. and I remember it as clear as day. And, you know, Trump doesn't, uh, Trump's vocabulary is so limited that, that, if he were to say something like misunderestimated, you'd be impressed with like the number of syllables. You wouldn't be like, uh, well, that's not a word. 
Yeah, yeah, you, you'd you'd be impressed that he had coined a new word or that he had yeah. he'd come up with something novel or <laughs> no. They made a they make a joke on uh, uh you know his DeSant, Desantis uh, nickname is DeSanctimonious. DeSanctimonious, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, SNL made a joke like you know you didn't think I'd even know what that word meant, and it's true. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, and there's no chance that 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 he came up with that. No, the that, word that sanctimonious was... is not in Trump's vocabulary. Like, right, like... right. That's that's clearly one of his flacks who came up with that. Yeah, although I'm reading uh, uh, Maggie Haberman's Confidence Man right now, mm-hmm. and it is it is incredible, you know, to see somebody, uh, you know, Trump in the 80s was a much more verbally dexterous guy. Like he was, uh, he, he does sound like a very different person. If you play 80s Trump, to 2016 Trump, unrecognizable. Like you wouldn't think that that was the same. I mean, the vo- the the vocal intonations are super Trumpian, right? But like the actual content and, yeah. and the the language is so different. Like it's well, you that's know, I back don't know. when he was back when he was a Democrat. You know, but it's back <laughs> yeah. before his his brain melted from tertiary syphilis. Oh God! CGR <laughs> <laughs> willing to stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, getting back to the the dictionaries and how that process works, I I think that list you read from dictionary.com is it's good and I can understand those being the criteria that a word would have to meet. Uh, that makes sense to me, but I I do think there's a little bit of a rush there and maybe they do that a little bit prematurely before they see what how how sticky a word is. As far as the seeing what kind of cachet a word has that that makes sense to me i mean if it's used widely and generally to mean the same thing then that that to me is about as good a gauge as you're ever gonna have truthiness (laughs) now i'm sure some of the word police the wordanistas over at webster's are gonna say hey that's not a word i don't trust books they're all fact no heart and that's exactly it's just I feel like in if it's on. used on the internet, it's just as likely to go completely out of uh, favor in a matter of months versus if it's used in a handful of like novels mm-hmm. and nonfiction essays where it will actually kind of have more stain power. Uh, like the word trope, which has come to mean totally the opposite of what it once meant. But now you Unpack see it that in, a bit. In, Okay, so you see, you see the word trope now uh, in pretty much every uh, any kind of arts commentary. You know, um, we'll talk about the the trope of a genre or the the any fil- like a lot of film reviews will use this, the, right? The, the tropes of the horror genre, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it's come to mean trapping or cliche or yeah, I, I I think of it as cliche. Yeah, I do too. I think I think it's a little less a little less negatively loaded than cliche. Like it it can just mean a convention of a genre. So you think, you think trope is not passing judgment on the cliche. It's uh, 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 acknowledging it exists. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it used to mean the opposite of that. If you, if you look at the uh, Oxford English dictionary, it used to mean a novel turn of phrase, almost a poetic use. I remember looking this up at the village voice because so many people were using the word trope it's a trope in itself it was it was a real trope of our of our coverage yeah but so if you use trope to mean the definition that you just i would not i would not get that like i would read that 
incorrectly. Right. Because I would read it as cliche, as as uh, not as original at all. Right. It, it's it's so widely used to mean cliche that to use it in the original sense would be sort of backwards. I mean, it, it, no one would get it, you know. And then the, the, the second definition was a phrase or verse added as an embellishment or interpolation to the sung parts of the mass in the Middle Ages. So it was something you would add like a little like a philip embellishment so here are some ones that i think can sometimes be complicated confusing uh uh, compliment versus compliment Mm -hmm. effect effect yep that one's on my list yeah and inshore inshore those i think i mean effect and effect i see misused all so much to the point where i just don't it doesn't even you know i work in marketing so mm-hmm. people will use these terms uh, all the time, and and it's fifty fifty if they're using the right one. Right, uh, affect and effect, and I'm I'm gonna go out of my way to pronounce those that way so that you can hear the difference. That one can be a little tricky because, so in ninety percent of cases, affect with an a is the verb, and effect is the noun. So you can affect someone with an a, but it has an effect on them. So verb versus noun. Affect, That's a good effect. way to think of it. Yeah, but it's not always right uh, because <laughs> either can be either. So affect can be a noun, especially in the psychological sense, like blank affect. Right. Um, so it would be a noun there. And effect can be a verb, like to effect change. That's, that's where you usually see that used as a verb. What was your other, your other example was compliment and compliment. Yes. Um, yeah, compliment with an E. You tend to think of that as um, something co- like the the wine complements the meal, to to go with, to augment, to pair nicely with that sort of sense, uh, and then compliment is the nice thing that you say to someone or the the act of doing that, the act of giving someone a compliment. The one I always have trouble remembering the spelling of is like a full complement of players. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll you'll hear about a team where they've had an injured player, but he comes back into the game, and you'll hear the announcer say, "Oh, they're back to having a full complement," and that's spelled with an e. Compliment, a full complement. Um, and if something is complimentary, that would be the e. Well, it, yeah. it could be either. Um, like a, well, a compliment. It's like if it's free, you know, like a... that. That's spelled with an i. That's a good good point. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, complimentary chocolate at a. A hotel or whatever um yeah <laughs> strange example i just thought exciting of. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but a complementary angle like in geometry um that's with an e meaning the the angle that brings you to 180 it's bringing things to completion like it's it's something is complementary with an e when it it attends something else and makes it complete like a a complimentary wine pairing would mean that your meal is now complete. So here's one, Mike, that isn't, I know that it's not a real word. But mm-hmm. I, I really think that it it should be, and that is irregardless. Mm. 
Like, I mean, I disagree. I, sure, sure. <laughs> you can disagree, but you know, if you look at the the things dictionary.com said, irregardless is used by a lot of people. I think it was actually a Bushism. Um, but I hear people, I hear like people in a work setting and in, you know, otherwise very smart people use the term irregardless. Um, mm -hmm regardless of basically uh, the, their educational background. And so, you know, I wonder like how something like that slips into the common vernacular when it is, it is definitely wrong, but it's just not, it's not, it's, it's no longer wrong to the point where people even bother. Um, you know, you wouldn't call that out in a conversation. Well, you would, if you were a jerk maybe, but <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something about the, the, the rhythm of that, I think just feels right in a way that regardless doesn't. Like it, it just feels good to put that extra syllable at the beginning. And, and maybe it's because there's some, there's some bleed over from the word irrespective, or you're trying to combine irrespective Absolutely. with irrespective. regardless. Irrespective and irregardless it seem connected to me. And like, I can see how that could be a mistake, Yeah, but you know, the irregardless as a word first appeared in print in 1795. I'm, I'm reading now. Which, yeah, um, so it's it's long attested in the language. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even Merriam-Webster uh, says that it's super common, especially in, in uh, verbal speech. Like in dialect, yeah. In dialect, yeah. There's a lot of value in writers not all sounding like each other, which I think is, especially where we live, uh, danger that you run into like you could plunk me down in the middle of an article and I couldn't tell you where it came from or who the writer was so there's there's some added value to using things like this you know um and maybe it's better confined to fiction than than non-fiction but you know you have a lot um, more leeway in, in fiction I mean you can in whole sure. cloth just invent vocabulary and 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 be a genius right in fiction if you're oh, if you're sure. kind of out front about what you're trying to accomplish yeah i mean one of my favorite books of all time and movies but one of my favorite books for sure is uh clockwork orange which is all an invented dialogue it, gibberish yeah well it's all based on russian i mean it's right. all it's all anglicizations of, of russian <laughs> <Da>. <laughs> uh, but it, i mean and it really will it can teach you sort of conversational russian you know you can it, can it <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really can. You'll, you'll from from reading that, you'll know you'll know a, a lot of what you need to know and like the very common yeah. things that that would come up in in you know your basic. Uh, if you were if you were to travel to Russia, which I guess right now I wouldn't recommend. Uh, yeah. but or well, you know, I, I have Russian to tell you, I've been too. I've been to Russia, and I did my reading of a Clockwork Orange didn't seem to give me any. You didn't Any take abilities. it with you to use the glossary? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. You know, there was a word I just used while we were talking about one of these previous examples. Um, jibe, J-I-B-E versus jive, J-I-V-E. Jive actually really means a, a dance. Um, yeah, like the, it's from Greece. That's yeah. that whole song, like the, the hand jive, baby. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. swing. It's a type of yeah. like swing music or swing dancing, yeah. It's um, not hand jibe. That doesn't sound that's <laughs> right. totally different meaning. And then there's also G I B E, which is usually you see that as a noun meaning like a dig at someone, like an insult. And I guess it, it also can be a verb meaning to to insult, to tease or taunt. But that's the G. 
spelling. But so it those... seems like it seems like with the V spelling in slang, people will will not they will say like stop talking jive. Or, talking jive, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it um and yeah the jargon of hipsters that kind of thing, uh, street jive, a special jargon slang that sort of thing. Tired of listening to his jive. But yeah, when you see people see people writing like that doesn't jive with me, uh, it really should be should be J I B E. So for a good example of G I B E, meaning like dig or taunt or you know negativity, for an example of this used well, uh, I noticed in Amy Nicholson's recent recent review of the Weird Al documentary. Is it not a, is it a docu? It's not no, really it's a, a documentary because it's yeah. yeah, and it it's like really fictionalized too, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to even call it a biopic from what I've heard. Yeah, no, I think I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be sort of wild. Like almost more mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to see this, by the way. And Amy Nicholson is a writer I know from working with at The Voice and always thought she was great. So she gets this right. She says earlier jibes at Yankovic's own implausibility include nearly every interview he's ever given. And that's that's correct. So well done, Amy. And what's up? Uh, and she's great. Another one I see misused all the time is the idiom is actually to home in on something, home with an M. The metaphor there being like a homing pigeon or an animal's homing instinct, they home in on something to, you know, to zero in on or to, to target that sort of sense. Um, but you see it all the time as hone with an N. And again, that one's understandable because hone means sharpen. It means um, like focus, right? Yeah. I mean, it, really it means to, to sharpen like a honing stone. Because I, I use hone when I'm thinking about like an idea, like I'm I'm honing in on on the way I want to talk about something, versus mm -hmm. home home in, which is like a missile homes in, or yeah, which I don't use nearly as much. You know, not physical, not physical things, but getting closer to the point, maybe. Yeah, I think I think I would probably change that to home and to interesting. Yeah, to home in on. I just think every time you see that particular verb phrase, it's going to be home with an M but yeah hone really means either to sharpen or to by extension figuratively to make more sharp to make more acute like hone your skills yes yeah, so I can hone my skills. vocabulary right right yeah. and you are and I applaud you for it thank you another big one and another very understandable it's understandable why there would be errors creeping into this is lay versus lie and the the way to remember this one, um, so lay is transitive, meaning it, it takes an object. You lay an object down, uh, where lie is not. Lie doesn't take an object. You you lie you lie on the bed. You lie on the floor. Uh, where it gets confusing is that lay is also the past tense of lie. So present tense he lies down. Uh, past tense he lay down. And then past participle is he had lain down. I guess that would be past uh, past perfect. Even in verb phrases, I think that like technically you lie low somewhere, but that doesn't really sound right, right? You, 
don't you want to say lay low? You lay low for a while till this blows over, that kind of thing. But it's lie low? Technically, yeah. I think if wow. you... Wow. Yeah. But... Every I gangster mean, movie has gotten this one wrong, or, or they right. just let the gangsters be wrong. Uh, right, yeah. Casino and Goodfellas both get this wrong. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> uh, I wonder if I would... If I'm reading something, if I'm going to be stopped up by seeing that because it just sounds so strange, you know, just when I'm when I'm talking, I tend to use the two interchangeably. I mean, it's a it's a strange one to me just because it it does sound odd or it strikes the ear as odd, the the inner ear, the ear of the mind. All right. What else we got? Comprise and compose is a big one. So a phrase like is comprised of is wrong and should be or at least by the book it's wrong uh and you want to you would want to say is composed of there so the whole comprises the parts the parts compose the whole i always have to work out an example sort of in my mind as i'm as i'm looking over someone else's copy to make sure i've got this right and the example i usually think of is the u.s comprises 50 states 50 states compose the u.s yeah that makes sense to me the, the whole comprises the parts. The parts compose the whole. Okay, let's move on to our track changes section. Okay. This is going to be a segment where we uh, try to correct ourselves from whatever we got wrong the previous week, which I'm sure will be a lot, uh, judging by the first episode where I... I didn't say he was alive, I guess, or dead, but I, I didn't didn't realize that William Sapphire was long dead. Um, well, that was my Michael. That was my joke when I said we should have him on the pod. <laughs> if he, if he was alive, head. it wouldn't have been much of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally over my head yeah, with that. He's one. a much better get <laughs> now than before. Well, now it would be incredible. It'd be incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, William Sapphire died in 2009, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so he lives on in my heart, though. And, so. and mine, too. Mine, yeah. too. With Strunken White and many other excellent grammarians. And for years, he had a, a column on grammar. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was like next to the column on bridge. You know, it's like the you know that page that no one reads. Like, yeah, I was gonna say you can it's tell like how the popular latest it is. on bridge. You know, <laughs> the bridge strategy and and grammar and um, horoscopes. Although yeah, you were telling me horoscopes are are regaining popularity, they're very popular now. Doomsbury yeah. is another unpopular thing that they have to bury on that page. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever read it. They were all just like Bush jokes in '94. You know? I know that I misused. And again, I don't want to get into policing speech, um, but my own is fair game. And I you don't want to get into policing speech except producing a whole podcast that is policing (laughs) speech. Outside (laughs) of that, no policing speech. Good point. (laughs) Touche. I know I said neither of us are at one point. I said neither of us are something, whatever. Um, And I'm going to quote from Brian Garner here, which I do have a physical copy of, by the way. In any event, my, the point is that William Sapphire is actually quoted on on the uh, the cover um, of my, my edition. He writes, as a pronoun, neither is construed as a singular. That is, it should take a singular verb and any word for which neither is an antecedent should also be singular. Thus, neither of the offers was a good one is grammatically better than neither of the offers were good ones. So, 
make a long story short, I should have said neither of us is. And lastly, I got Green Day's debut album name slightly wrong. I do want to say it was pretty close, Ryan. So it's 1039 slash smoothed out slappy hours. But yeah, apologies to Green Day. And uh, Ryan, by the way, right before we started recording this episode, I was just looking through the closet at, at my parents' house and I found a Green Day shirt that is not mine. I'm guessing it's my sister's. It's like a, a, a small sweatshirt, but it's from the Dookie era. And it, it's sort of like the album, some of the album art from Dookie. So I'll have to have to well, send if, you a pic of that. If Jesse doesn't want it, I'll take it. Yeah, Kim asked to also <laughs> interest in it. So there's sort of a bidding war going on right now. <laughs> So, Mike, what are you going to explain to us next week? Let's do fewer versus less next week. And I know that sounds fairly cut and dry, uh, but there, there's at least one really thorny problem with it that we can get into. Some of the reference books disagree with each other over. Ooh, yeah. drama. So if that isn't tantalizing, I don't know what is. Folks tune into this pod for all the grammar drama. So until then, I'm Ryan Davis. And I'm Mike Laws, and this is... Red Pen, a grammar podcast. Thanks so much. Red Pen is brought to you by the Columbia Journalism Review and is Mike Laws, my fabulous co-host and good buddy, Ryan J. Davis, and producer, Amanda Derrick. So everybody, uh, listen and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts uh, and leave questions for Mike on grammar uh, right on the Apple Podcast app and we can uh, respond to those in a future episode.